to Manor. Hello and welcome to another to Manor podcast. So we've got another busy show today. So we're going to run through some news from the last week. We'll obviously talk about the Accrington game. We'll run through what's happened across League One on Saturday. We'll preview next week's game against Doncaster. We'll have the second edition of On This Day. And we'll continue to build our controversial last pick in PE 11, uh, which caused some, yeah, definitely caused some debate on Twitter. Um, and as always, we'll finish up with a quiz that Connor has rambled together last minute for us. Uh, so who is on the pod this week? So John has uh, selfishly flown off to Sri Lanka for a holiday without inviting any of us. Uh, we've said that he'll be forgiven if he finds a Sri Lankan Oxford United supporters group or if he starts one whilst he's there <laughs> and they are his options. Uh, C- Connor, another week in Ireland. How's it going? Not bad, thanks, mate. Uh, had my first week in the office at work, uh, settling in a bit, bit better than obviously a week ago. So yeah, not too bad. Not good, too bad. good. Have you found any lucky charms yet? Uh, not quite just yet. Um, you know, as as we unfortunately got a got a point this weekend, maybe the lucky charm is working against me. But when I find it, hopefully we'll yeah. we'll carry on that really good run we had up until until you- yesterday. If you could find one ahead of the next pod, that would be great. Yeah, I'll try my best, mate. I'll keep searching, looking for that rainbow. Good stuff. Jack, how are you after yesterday? How was your train ride home? You're in a different carriage to us. Yeah, it was all right. Um, It got a bit entertaining as two groups of girls kind of started having a go at each other. But um, some Barnsley fans livened it up by singing Caravan of Love for a good 20 minutes or so um, before going through their entire songbook for them from the last 20 years, I think. Um, so yeah, it was it was all right, not too bad. And Ben, how did you enjoy the carriage that I was on with you? It was very entertaining. Oh, it was gr- it was it was great. We uh, we taught Oxford United songs to Burnley, Everton, and Barnsley fans, so we're we're spreading the Oxford love around the footballing family. We definitely won the battle of who's got some good chance because everyone just wants to sing, and it was generally all Oxford songs. The only one that stuck with me from a Burnley fan was the Ben Me song that went Ben Me, 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 Ben Me. That's amazing. Easy notes to remember. Yeah. Yeah. I I did notice actually on on Twitter that you guys were causing a bit of a bit of a storm on the on the old carriage because I saw an Everton fan in one of your videos. She looked particularly proud of our Alex Alex Gorin song that you kept shouting out. They were. They even had their phones out rec- recording the Alex Rodriguez song. So ah, that's what you want. Good work, boys. Good work. Yeah. Right. On to the news. News. So we haven't had much news over the last few weeks, but we have some for this pod. So George Fawn's uh, shoulder injury was com- confirmed, uh, and it was also confirmed that it's going to take him well, his recovery is going to take him beyond his stay with us. It looked like he was going to be doing rehab with us, Jack. That's the case, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. KR said he's enjoying it with us, so it makes sense for him to be in an environment that he likes rather than going and, I don't know what he'd do at Derby, just sit in the physio room, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so another thing that came out was that we're going to, we're set to take over management of the training ground, and that seems to be kind of phase one of Operation Sustainability complete with phase two being the small matter of the uh, stadium again jack we were talking just before we started the pod you were saying that maybe it's not complete as of yet yeah i think um one of the articles suggested it's kind of go into discussion at a meeting this week with i've forgotten the name of the company that currently manage it um at oxfordshire council so i presume that's just to kind of get um, signatures on paper and then uh what will be a very good thing for the club actually should be should be completed. Cool. And then Jack, I'm gonna draw on you again because I think <laughs> you listened to the five minutes fan forum with uh Zaki, but it looked like the only two things that were pulled out was that he was saying he felt that we had a top ten budget for the season and the subject I think someone asked a question about Cadden and whether he would stay with us for the rest of the season. Are they the two main things that came out? Yeah. Um it was very much Zaki who used the words top 10 budget, which I thought was a bit brave, um, but fair enough. And obviously at the minute we're on we're on par with that. And then, yeah, the Cadden, 
the Cadden thing's very weird because there was all the rumours when we signed him that he was going to go to Sunderland in January and that was all agreed. Um, but then the Columbus crew manager said he'd be back for their pre-season, which is kind of February time. Um, but now we're talking about we might want to try and buy him and Zaki kind of didn't really go down any of those avenues. So we'll have to see, I guess. Okay. Uh Wayne Brown and Amy Cranston agreed new contracts. So Wayne Brown being the goalkeeping coach and Amy is the physio. Uh, so that's good news. Um, another good thing for the club is that we, the club's said that we'll have 25% um, off the ticket prices for the Sunderland League Cup game, which is fantastic because at one point, I think uh, Tiger in an interview was saying they'll be the sa- it'll be the same price as league matches. So they've obviously had to think about that and they want to generate some atmosphere. So hopefully that means that we get as close to a full house as possible, but we'll see. That is the news. Is there any more news before I move on? Nope. Not that I'm aware of. Good stuff. So we've only got one game to review this this week, which is nice. Uh, I want to start with, well, our journey on the way there. So obviously we're based up north and a lot of us came across from kind of Leeds way. So me, Jack, uh, Ben, our other pal, Albie, and a guy called Sam who's come come down from Newcastle. We're traveling down and we were sat on a table and at one point, a group of fans got onto the table directly next to us, uh, giving us kind of scornful looks. And I was like, why are they looking at us like that? And then it turned out as they left, I caught that like... I swear one of the guys was wearing a 50-50 scarf and then it, there was red on it. And then as he walked off, I noticed there were Swindon fans. They were kind of looking back at us and, on the train as they were walking off. So we could have had some right debate there, but they chose not to acknowledge it. The but. fact the fact the lad was wearing a 50-50 scarf, <laughs> I mean, that kind of sums up, you know, why, well, not really sums up why we hate Swindon, but, you know, that... The, 50-50 scarf, come on, oh, no. have a word of yourself. I wanted to see who was on the other half of it, to be honest. I was like, who have they played that would yeah. warrant that as well? Interesting. Us. Anyway, but there could have been some nice spicy debate there. Yeah, maybe us, maybe us. Yeah, maybe it was <laughs> us. Maybe it was, a, 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 you know, seven in the row. Oh, sorry, you know. Uh, another story, another time. We then followed Ben's advice about some of the pubs to visit in Accrington, so that was good. Went to the Weatherspoons. Sam shocked me by ordering some beers on a nap and then they brought it to the table. I did not know that was a thing and everyone was shocked that I didn't know that was a thing. James, how old are you? I don't don't spend a lot of my time in Weatherspoons, thank God. (laughs) All right. Jack, you went... Does that go along with your uh, tins of gin gin and tonic you have on the train? Keep it up up with the the posh Oxford-ness, even though you live in York now. That's it. I mean, Oxford to yeah. York's not, you know, it's quite a nice move. Yeah, yeah, it's a good move. Uh, it's a good move. Jack, you went to the Grey Horse. How was that? Yeah, it was good. Um, the uh, landlord took the mick out of me because I ordered a pint that wasn't Thwaites Bitter and apparently they never sell anything that isn't Thwaites Bitter. So she said, you must be Southern and a student. And I said, <laughs> uh, half right, um, but I'll still have that pint, please. Yeah. <laughs> we um a few of us then went down to the crown pub which is right next to the game um right next to the game right next to the ground uh, i finally met and had a good conversation with uh, the dreadlocks guy gary oh gary silver uh, yeah which was yeah, fantastic legend. so we had a good catch up with him um he told us i think he he lives in devon and he travels he still goes to like most games um but i just find that insane that he's traveling up from devon to go to Accrington, but fair play to the guy who's a very nice bloke. And we also met Dave Clark and had a chat with him. Dave actually has his own Oxford United themed bar in his house. So if there's any, just for anyone listening to the pod, if you want to make friends with a certain Oxford fan with perks, (laughs) I would chat with Dave. Uh, So we had 486 fans in total travel up for the game, which is decent. Um, Kind of what you'd predict, I guess. Um, In terms of the lineup, the shape we kind of stuck with the more traditional kind of fourth three three approach that served us well in recent weeks. Mackie and Baptiste coming in for Taylor and Gorin. I guess that's the first place that we should start some debate. Like I, I kind of understood why Gorin was uh, rested or rested or protected, given that he's one yellow away from a suspension and with an international break coming up, that seemed like a relatively sensible idea. Taylor, 
I didn't quite understand. I don't know what you thought, Jack. Um, yeah, I, I think we kind of saw why Mackie played um, just for his uh, physicality, let's say, and the fact that their defenders were all about ten foot. Um, I think, <laughs> I think, I think Accrington away, to be honest, is a is a Mackie game just for the the you know you're going to get a bit of a physical game. Um, I think, yeah, with, with Gorin, KR said on um, the team news that with Baptiste and Woodburn both being unavailable next week, he didn't dare risk um, having three midfielders out. But obviously, we ended up bringing Gorin on anyway. Yeah. Ben, did you have any thoughts on the starting eleven? Any concerns? Or were you pretty happy? Uh, yeah, no, I think it, it, both those changes made sense. I, I predicted Mackie would, would have started purely because of his just closing down, running at the defenders. And I think Taylor's, it's it's not a huge difference, but he's probably more of an effective person to bring on off the bench. Um, I, I know we'll probably mention it later on, but you, you've got to give him more time if you do bring him off the bench. You can't just give him five, ten minutes. I think you need to give him a good half an hour to get into the game. Yeah. But it's, it's a bit of a toss-up at the moment, whether you're playing Mackie or Taylor, I think. And, and like Jack said, it depends on who you're playing and whether you need a really physical presence or, or whether actually it's somewhere you just need a bit of pace yeah so we started with uh Brannigan kind of in the holding midfield position with Woodburn and Baptiste slightly ahead of him Fossu, Mackie and Henry um then the three up top as Jack's kind of pointed out there were then some kind of forced changes that were made so Woodburn was hacked down really early on in the game injuring his ankle and wasn't able to run it off so he was replaced by Ford in like the 14th 15th minute so Ford went to right wing, Henry moved into a central role, and then later on in the half, Ford then injured himself and um, Gorin ended up coming on. So Henry probably shifted back out wide. I didn't really notice where he went, but I'm guessing that's what happened. Uh, in terms of the first half then, it was a bit scrappy in the attacking thirds early on, but we seemed to have plenty of possession and we're moving the ball around well. Um, first half an hour, there wasn't really much to go at in terms of notes or highlights I don't know Ben Jack whether there's anything of note is that a fair assessment yeah pretty yeah. fair <laughs> uh, so but then it was the game kind of was brought into life by um, Fosu on 30 minutes so he started off by the corner flag I found it I was looking back I was like does Ruffles get an assist for the pass that he plays to Fosu down by the corner flag and then kind of a minute later Fosu's dribbled past 15 players, <laughs> including people on his own team, and then kicked it, smashed it into the bottom pie, you know, bottom corner. Uh, it was a great goal, wasn't it? Connor, you must have watched that back. Yeah, I watched it back quite a fair, fair few times. Uh, he, he did really well again, and I think it highlights just how much confidence is flowing through the lad at the moment. He looks absolutely on fire. Just, you know, the, the position that he actually picked the ball up, you know, out obviously out on the left-hand side, it's it's one of those where as a, as a winger you know do, do you cross it do you go for a dribble and he's obviously come inside and skipped past a few players um, and it was a really great right footed shot into the into the corner and like I said it's just it just epitomises the confidence that's running through him at the moment and it's really really good to see particularly a winger uh, acting in in that sort of vein of form at the moment and that was his sixth goal of the season wasn't it yeah I think he's level with Henry now but you're right he's got that yeah. kind of He's gliding at the moment. When you're in, when you're confident, yeah, is, I yeah. imagine you can glide. So, hopefully, I think I'll... also, and he had a free kick as well, didn't he? In the, in the, uh, a bit later on, yeah, in the, in the first in the first half, and that that confidence of him taking the free kick, and I think you've even got it down on the notes here, is like a a knuckleball like sort of free kick, like you know the Ronaldo esque type free kick that he that he had a had a pop with, and obviously hit the target, and it's just one of those things where. The, the bloke just wants the football, doesn't he? Do you, know, do you know what I mean? Like those players that just really want to get on the ball and really want to make things happen, and that's what he looks like at the moment. Yeah, and it's it's really exciting to watch him. I think Jack mentioned it on the last pod that he seems to. He's not just a winger that boots the ball out in front of him and chases it like a dog. He keeps no, the ball definitely. tight at his feet, and he still manages to carry it at pace and keep defenders away from him. So he's carry. Hopefully, he can carry that on into future games. It was a little bit more like at times where he wasn't. You know, I think it wasn't the type of game where he was ever going to um, consistently kind of flourish throughout throughout the match. He just didn't ha wasn't afforded the space that he got, let's say, at Lincoln and whatever. So 
But I think that's understandable and fair enough. And you want those types of players to come up with the goods in really, you know, tight moments. And he did that. Yeah. So he kind of did what he needed to do for the team. And also he's he's a player who's obviously been highlighted by Accrington's uh, staff members. You know, it's clearly with his performances in the last couple of games, he's a danger man. And I can imagine um, Accrington worked probably quite hard to, to figure out how they were going to stop him playing. I could imagine that was probably part of their game plan going going into the game. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you saw that for the the goalie. I reckon he got fouled maybe five times as he came in from the corner flag. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and there's a couple of times later in the second half potentially where he got hacked down. Um, he must be close to being the mal- the most fouled man in League One because it, <laughs> yeah, it just seems to be an opposition thing of hit him early and hope he doesn't come back, which some wingers do. But obviously, he's uh, f- you know filled with confidence, so taking those hits isn't an issue for him at the minute. It's just if referees don't give him protection, he is going to end up getting quite a bad injury, I think. Because yeah, there's there's taking taking a man off the ball kind of lightly and just hacking him down, which did happen a couple of times yesterday. So the latter stages of the of the first half. One of the only notes I really took was that Eastwood had another sketchy moment where he parried a relatively straightforward shot that looked like it was kind of going at a decent height straight into his hands. But he kind of parried it back into the six-yard box, like the centre of the six-yard box. And luckily, our defence kind of mopped it up well and cleared it. But again, it's a bit of a theme. You know, there's obviously, we're going to talk about the Accrington equaliser in a second. Um, Oh, we might as well just go on to that now because... I don't know, every pod now, there's a couple of moments where we're talking about Eastwood. And yes, he made a fantastic save at the back end of the game um, to make sure we kept hold of the point. But it does seem to be a theme, right, Ben? Did you Have you watched that back? Yeah, and I, I remember talking to you as we were leaving the game about it and, and watching it back, it hasn't, unfortunately hasn't changed my mind about it. He's, 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 he's got to get that ball, either catch it or punch it. And just watching the highlights again today, he, even if he's going to catch it, he just seems to just sort of put his hands there. He doesn't seem confident of winning the ball. It's just sort of like, oh, oh I'll get it. It's fine. And it, it's just beaten beaten easily by the, the their player in the box who, who wins the header. And it's just, if you're going to come out, make sure you, you dominate your area. You know, that six-yard box is your box. Yeah. The only thing I would say in his defence is it is a good it's a good whipped ball. You know, it's right on the edge of that six-yard box. It's, it's curling away from the goal. But you've got to do better, I think, if you're up there. I was hoping, though, when you say it was a whipped ball, it's not like it was a whipped ball that kind of stuck around at head height. It was lofted pretty high. And so you've, as a keeper, you've got to be, like you say, you've got to clear everyone out he, to get to that. You could even just punch it. Exactly, exactly. He didn't, he didn't, he came for it as if he was going to try and catch it in the kind of, quote, breadbasket. Yeah. Whereas the height the ball was at, I yeah. thought he should have come kind of trying to take it over his head, take take the defender out, take the striker out, you know, get the ball, take everyone out. But he came very, I don't know, softly almost, as if it was claiming a crossing training. I thought the exact um, same thing when I watched it. And literally the first thing that went through my head is, why has he not gone to punch it? Like literally just, just you know, the whole like, just deal with it. And in that scenario where he's got players around him as a goalkeeper, you just want to deal with it and that would be just punch it, stick your fist for it. Yeah. Um, I think also what kind of frustrated me a little bit was how for that free kick, we had every single man behind the ball. Every single player was behind the ball. And yet, I think they had four players in the box, Accrington, and they still managed to win the ball. Yeah. So it's Well, the, just... the thing I noticed on the video is the lad who eventually scores is not marked at any point during the clip. Yeah. So Mac is on him, comes and stands in front of him as if he's trying to play an offside high line, which no one else did. And then uh, is it Clark who scored? Yeah, Jordan. Yeah. Clark. Once the ball was kind of gone over his head, he kind of wandered across to the penalty spot, six yard box, and no one was anywhere near him. Yeah. And for the it was just it was just mental for the entire kind of action of the ball being lofted in, the player missing the header. There was there was absolutely no one on him at all. Yeah. Yeah. But back to that. Eastwood's kind of blunder in the first half though as well if that had dropped to an Accrington man that would go down as a massive mistake for him so technically he's 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 got away with one but not the other but either way I'm hoping it's a theme he he has obviously done such a good service for us like over the years that 
he's still got, you know, he's still in credit, let's say. So, yeah, and to, yeah, to be fair to he's him, definitely in credit. he did yeah. make yeah. two good saves later on, um, which, he does, I mean, he pulls out at least one good save every game, doesn't he? But yeah, yeah. the, the um, mistake element seems to be creeping back in. Um, hopefully, Wayne Brown can uh, put a stamp on that. So the second half in general, similar to the first, was relatively scrappy. And I think if you look at the fact that there were nine bookings in the game, you kind of get a feel for what what the match was actually like. Uh, The referee didn't really help the game flow, did he, Ben, if you think back? No, it was very stop-start. And he'd he'd book certain things and not book others when they were Stonewall bookings. And yeah, he, he didn't lose control of the game, but he certainly wasn't in control of the game, if that makes any sense. Yeah. yeah, there was no consistency, though, with his bookings, which is what was pissing most people off. He was just giving, you know, yellow for one thing. Someone would replicate, if not do something worse, and then he was just let the play go on. And he didn't pull back. The thing about Fosu's goal, like you said, Jack, he got pulled five times or something, and not one player got any kind of booking for <laughs> for that. And if he'd have gone down, obviously, they would have. I just don't, I don't get that. Anyway, he should have run around with the yellow card just in his hands around all the Accrington players as, as whilst Fossey was celebrating. Uh, Accrington generally were on top second half. We didn't really create too much. And as the Accrington uh, manager said after the game, we weren't working their keeper really at all. Um, James Henry, after the Accrington goal, kind of gifted the ball to Sam Finley, who was their number eight, and he smashed it really really hard off the inside of the post and from behind the goal it looked like it was definitely going in uh i think ben you said in the last pod and jack you reminded me of it um are we able to actually play well if james henry doesn't play well so yes we can keep the ball we can have possession but does it really screw us up if he's not on it 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 seems to be there doesn't seem to be any logical sense as to why that would be because we've got other players such as brannigan and fossu who can really take the game to the opposition but the results seem to be that yeah, if, if James Henry plays well and scores goals, we win. And if he has a bad game, we generally don't dominate or, or win as comfortably as usual. I don't know if it's just that he just doesn't distribute the ball as much or he's not looking up and, and looking for runners. But it's just, it's just an odd one, actually. It'd be useful to just watch him for 90 minutes on, on those highlights and just see, actually, where does it go wrong? Yeah. Uh, so then on 70 minutes... Out, seemingly out of nowhere, we kind of pushed forward, had some kind of good composed passing in and around the box, kind of going out wide, coming back in. Eventually comes to Brannigan in quite a bit of space, but he's still 30-odd yards out and he just smashes it into the far corner. We had a nice view of that from behind the goal. It was great. Uh, then goes and shushes the Accrington fans. So Brannigan again, you know, he, had, he obviously started the season in great goal-scoring form and there must be scouts that are aware of what he's doing at the moment, especially as he started the game in that holding position. Any thoughts on that goal? Connor, again, you've watched that back. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, it was a, yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a great strike. Um, I think Cameron Brannigan said after the game, that he's been working on his, on his uh, shots from outside the box. And clearly a strike like that kind of proves that he's been certainly working on it. Um, and I think I agree with what you're saying. I can imagine there'll be quite a few scouts uh, iron up Cameron Brannigan either in January or at the end of the season. Um, he is looking, he, he's just looking brilliant, and he's such a good player. Yeah. I don't, I think he's another one of these like Ryan Ledson and uh, John Lundstrom esque sort of players for us who's, who've just been, you know, they shine in a yellow shirt and then they move on. I think that's going to be the case with Cameron. I think all these scousers, hey, yeah, yeah, clearly they've got a thing for Oxford, haven't they? That's it. The lead um, only lasted three minutes. It's a bit demoralising. So the ball broke to uh, Zan- Zanzala, I think his name is, who came on at halftime for Accrington, just outside the box. And this goal, being at the game in real time, pissed me off immensely because you could just see it coming. And I, can't, I think, Ben, I yeah. said to you, didn't I, that he's going to score, he's going to score. Because he had so much time. It kind of rolled in front of him. Uh, he had... It, <laughs> Time seemed to stop and he just was able to kind of slot the ball in the far corner, not too dissimilar to Fosu's goal. I can't work out, looking back, who to blame, given that the kind of defensive midfielders should be supporting. But really, I, I, I think Dickey or Moose needs to get out to him as quickly as possible. But I don't know, Jack, what do you think? 
Um, I watched it back. <laughs> I've scribbled a lot down about this goal. <laughs> um, so yeah, Henry Henry gives the ball away with, uh, you know, not great. But the thing that annoys me is it kind of loops up, and it, I think it's Shandon Baptiste challenges their player. And I can't work out who actually touches the ball, but it's either a really poor header from Baptiste trying to get it to Gorin, or it hits the Akraton man. But for me, Gorin's in the wrong position, and I think Zanzala was probably his man. And if you if you pause it as Zanzala touches the ball, you've got Dickie and Moose are so far apart, you can like draw the D of the penalty box between them. <laughs> Gorin's in front of Zanzala, and he's just got this big kind of triangle of space that he stood in. Um, and that seemed to be a running theme of the second half, actually, that it it felt like Cadden and Ruffles had been told to almost play like wing-backs. And what happened was that Dickie and Moose were having to cover wide all the time, leaving this massive hole down the middle. And Zanzala was just sat in that for the majority of the second half. And that's why they look so yeah. dangerous. Yeah. Either way, immensely frustrating to be able to kind of weather the storm of what was going on in the second half get that goal with 20 minutes left and then concede instantly. Ben, how upset were you? Uh, I was not very happy. I think the very same <laughs> as you. It's just, you know, it, what all you're thinking, oh, this game's gone. Brannigan, wonder strike. Right, okay, we've got the lead again. Let's just, you know, let's keep this game. Let's just be sensible with the ball and then blink of an eye. Like you said, it just seemed to, it was nothing. The ball landed to him. He was in a world of space. He's, I, th- I don't think he can... I know some fans were talking about should East would have saved it. I think it was harsh because I'm pretty sure it was straight in the corner. I don't think when you, you're in the middle of the, the box like that, if you just hit it right, you're going to get it in the corner. But yeah, it's just very frustrating. Yeah. We, should, we, should have, we should have been able to hold on to that lead. So we weren't offering very much going forward and Mackie was you know, not having the best of times with all of the seven-foot Accrington defenders but we kind of mentioned it earlier on like should Matty Taylor really have come on earlier than in the 77th minute in my in my eyes yes run the channels try and get in behind them on the counter or whatever but you know maybe he's maybe there's some a niggle there that we don't really know about maybe he's trying to preserve him uh, maybe he just felt like there was a risk that he's going to get um cropped by some of their players or something but again like you said Ben I just didn't think he had enough time to um, kind of stake a claim in the match. Uh, so going on from there, as I, I mentioned earlier, Eastwood made a great save on in the 85th minute to deny uh, Pritchard. So he kind of flew across the goal, parrying the ball away when it was kind of destined to the top for the top corner. I don't really know how the, it looked like. Um, Ruffles maybe he seemed to cross it, but I think it got a mean deflection and then went in the box. But it looked like Ruffles had crossed it for the Accrington player at one point. But then looking back, it definitely looks like it gets a deflection. And um, right at the end of it, kind of in injury time, I was going and getting the flag, and there was that pinball going on in the Accrington box, and I was convinced it just looked like it was it had to go in. Um, there was a scuffle going on. Jack, what did you think about that? Do you think it was in? I, I thought it was in. I thought it was in because um, one of our, I don't know who it was who was stood on the edge of the box, put their hands up. I th- thought that it was in. But when you watch the replay, I think their keeper got quite lucky because I think Ruffles kind of half hits it and it kind of spins in the air and the keeper kind of plops it down in front of him. If it had gone anywhere else, I think it would have either hit Taylor and gone in or come further out. But it, it kind of plops right in front of him so that a defender could have to shrug Taylor off in the end. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, was, that would have been oh, daylight robbery in the most uh, yeah. brilliant of ways, really. But yeah, yeah I, I listened to it on the radio, and <laughs> I was, I was kind of like losing my just lose. You know, when you just like lose your head. Like <laughs> I just didn't know what was happening. Like I was like, yes, 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 no, and I was like, ah, oh, damn. And then obviously the whistle went. So I was kind of like head in hands at the end of the game, and obviously I wasn't even there. And I was just listening listen to it on the radio, but. Um, watching it back, it was a proper scramble, wasn't it? It was kind of a shame we didn't didn't nick it. But I think I think like the uh, the commentator and I follow said at the end, he said it was a the two all draw was probably quite a fair reflection of the game. I, I'm not sure how you yeah. you guys felt about that. Comment. Yeah, I was I was about to say, looking back, I'm delighted with a draw in general, and I'm delighted that we've kind of managed to notch a couple of goals and. When you look at the reaction after the game, so Brannigan and KR were both agreeing that we weren't at the races. Um, they did kind of the eye 
um, follow interviews. But they were saying, I think KR was contrasting it to the performance in, you know, our 4-2 defeat there last year and how much we've kind of come on where we don't have to be at our best and we're still coming away with the draw. You know, if that was last season, we could have been playing well. We'd probably still lose 4-2. So it does, it's a good kind of contrast to last season and we've definitely come on. I don't know, Ben, Jack, what do you guys think? I think it's definitely, definitely a positive. Um, at, as soon as the final whistle went, I was quite down thinking it's dropped two points. But, you know, sometimes you've just got to take a step back and today reflecting and you're like, it's, it's a good point. And ultimately, this could be a good point later on in the season you know especially you look at previously we've not always done well against Accrington so yeah not a bad not a bad result Jack yeah I think you, I mean you, at the start of the season you take a point away at Accrington in early October um, I think for me the game just kind of highlighted the best and worst of us um, so say Brannigan's goal the build up to it was great passing play five or six players involved and then when on the WhatsApp we just looked a bit hesitant under the high ball again and I thought we'd kind of got over that um, flaw. Um, but, yeah, 2-2, you can't complain, really. We didn't deserve to win it. So if you don't deserve to win and get a point, you're all the better. Yeah. John Coleman, the Accrington manager after the game, was quoted as saying that we were probably the best team that they've played against with regards to the technical football that we played and the way we moved the ball around and the way we pressed. And... Um, he was kind of saying they limited us to a few chances and had, again mentioned that their keeper didn't have to make any saves really. But it's good that even though we're not playing at our best and all of the team are being you know, completely open and honest about that um, and the management as well, that we're still getting praise like that after 11 games of a season from an opponent, you know, an opposition manager. So something's got to be, you know, that's definitely a positive to take. Um Jack, you, you, you had something about the bookings in general. and I saw the thing that the OUFC Stats Twitter account pulled together about how many bookings we've got. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah, so I, I just had a look myself this afternoon or this morning and kind of tweeted myself. Then I went, oh, blimey, these people do that again. Um, yeah, so we've got the most bookings in League One. Um, so if you just count the league, we've got 29. And the next after that's Wimbledon and Sunderland. They've both got 23. Um, the issue, I think, is we've got, I think it's five players who are now on four bookings. So Brannigan, Dickey, Gorin, Mackey after his uh, whatever the hell he did yesterday. And then Taylor's on four because he actually got booked. Um, <laughs> he came on for Bristol City on the first day of the season and played eight minutes and managed to get booked. Um, he's been booked three times for us. And if I remember rightly, they're all really needless things. So obviously yesterday he took out the keeper, didn't need to happen. At Lincoln, he got booked for kicking the ball away when we were 5-0 up. And at Bristol Rovers, he kind of bundled someone over off the ball and got booked. So, yeah, to have five players, arguably the five key players, potentially, um, all sat on four bookings with seven games to go until the cut-off, we could end up with some multiple suspensions at the same time, which wouldn't be good. No. Well, fingers crossed everything will be sorted out. When do they get wiped? January. Uh, after 19 league games and we've played 12 alright okay. it, it'll, it'll be alright lads Dan Adji will come and save the day when uh, Mackie and Taylor are both suspended <laughs> L- tad, tad bit of sarcasm there <laughs> on that note let's wrap up league one <laughs> uh... so Jack you're going to wrap it up for us Yes, yeah, so I think in summary this weekend, there were just lots of goals. So there was 33 goals in the 10 games. Um, Bolson played Blackpool at home on Monday night. Um, kind of headlines, Co- so Coventry lost for the first time uh, this season. They actually lost in some style. They lost 4-0 away at Rotherham. Um, yeah. Which who we, we go there at two weeks' time. So that mm-hmm. Rotherham seemed to be clicking a little bit, especially at home. Um, Gillingham followed up. Uh, our lucky win against them last week um, by beating Southend, who still have a manager. Um, but I was looking at the odds for Southend, and um, the current favourite for it is Adam Barrett, but he's just become caretaker manager at Millwall. So I'm not sure what happens there. Um, what happened to um, what's his face, Henrik Larsson? Well, he's still second favourite, so he's clinging uh, clinging on to the hope of uh, living in Southend. <laughs> <by the looks. laughs> wow. um, 
obviously, yeah, we play Doncaster next week and they lost to Pompey. Um, Pompey scored in the last minute. Uh, Lincoln beat Sunderland 2-0 in front of their first sellout crowd for about 15 years, I think it was. Yeah. Um, Tyler Walker scored twice and Mr. Penn. I think Sunderland got booed off yet again, so I can't imagine Jack Ross has got much time left. Yeah, they took 1,800 fans, as you'd expect. And yeah, I, yeah. I didn't realise he... I, I saw the highlights, but yeah, I was surprised to see that he missed a penalty as well as, you know, he missed it and then he notched his second after that. Um, what else? Yeah, Ipswich are kind of clear by four points at the top of the table now. Um, I don't think they've lost either, so they're a bit of a machine, it seems. Who are they playing? And then I, uh, they won at Fleetwood. Fleetwood, so yeah. You got to give them that. And then I know I keep bringing up Wickham every week, and I I, I detest Wickham, but I'm on. <laughs> I, I they just keep go. They just keep pulling out results. So they uh, they went two nil down to Peterborough, came back to two two. Then they went three two down. Then they had a man sent off, and then Adebayo Fenwick scored a ninety uh, fifth minute penalty to draw three three. So um, they're they're second. I think Wimbledon beat Rochdale to make it a bit closer at the bottom. Um, Bristol Rovers didn't play because they would have been playing Berry. So, well, yeah, all in all, lots of goals. And I think we're now three points off the playoffs, but we have played a game more because the whole Bolton and Berry things kind of broken the uh, number of games played across the division. Right. Should we preview Doncaster? Benjamin. Yes. Doncaster. Uh, unfortunately, this isn't going to be as an exciting preview this week as uh, we're at home, so there's no exciting commercial stadium sponsor to say in a weird voice. Uh, and there's no pubs <laughs> no pubs to preview either. But I'll, I'll crack on regardless. Uh, Doncaster, not a, not a too bad a start to the season. Um, they're one place below us in 10th, but they've only played 10 games. Um, won four, drawn four, lost two, including a, a decent six-game unbeaten at the start of the season. Uh, lost 2-1 yesterday to Portsmouth, although it was a, a last-minute stoppage time header to give them that victory. Uh, in those first 10 games, they've also had some pretty good hard-fought draws um, away to both Ipswich and Coventry. As we said, Coventry have only just lost their unbeaten record. Ipswich are still unbeaten. Um, but one thing that did stand out is they've not scored that many goals. They've only scored 13 um, and that's with seven different scorers plus the prolific own goal. Um, and it's also on Friday, they signed a, a striker, Quam Thomas, on a short-term deal until January. So it, it looks like they might be trying to really? kind of shore up their firepower a little bit. Finally. Yes, they did. So. Who's he? Uh, he's, uh, he got released by Derby a few years ago and has kind of jumped about random non-league teams, I think. I wonder if they uh, found him on LinkedIn. <laughs> like that other post that's going around, which was definitely for Bolton, wasn't it? Where they're looking for a physical striker and they want to pay them 50 to 75 grand a year. Must have, must be able to steady the ship. Classic line. If anyone hasn't seen that listening to the pod, they have no idea what I'm on about. I'm sure you can find it on Twitter I reckon, somewhere. I reckon we should just, I reckon we should just tweet it just for clarity because this is just ridiculous. <laughs> I think me and John were just slating the language used in it, weren't we? It was just ridiculous. I suppose John's on the podcast. We can't even back me up, but it's just so stupid. He's a comical advert, though. It's just that's a nice classic anyway, desperate sorry, team. It's not quite as good as the old Wickham putting a a plea for a striker out on teletext as they did that uh, S and O scored that winner in the FA cup. <laughs> um, back, back to Donny uh, shape wise. Uh, they seem to play in the, the four, two, three, one. We're all very familiar with over the last few years, a couple of, couple of key players. Uh, the main ones, I guess, James Coppinger, uh, vastly experienced 38 year old central midfield. He's played over 600 games for Rovers, which is their club record. Uh, he's one of a, uh, a couple of players uh, to play in every league game this season, and he's their joint top scorer with just three. Uh, another with three goals is Kieran Sadlier. He's a young Irish attacking midfielder. Uh, and lastly, is Alfie May, a 26-year-old striker. Uh, interestingly, he's spent first five years of his career at uh, non-league, semi-professional level. Um, had, a, had a trial with Stevenage, uh, which got Doncaster's attention for some, for some reason, uh, and they signed him professionally a couple of years ago. Um, since then, he's Generally been on their first team sheet, uh, played nearly 100 games, scored 20 goals. Um, and even though he's played every game this season, he has yet to trouble the scorers, which always fills me with dread <laughs> when we're the next team to play them. 
predictions wise, last couple of years we've had some decent results at them. Uh, two years ago, seventeen eighteen season, a couple of one nil victories. Uh, last year we had a pair of Desmonds, a two two draw. <laughs> um, best best one of those though was the away game, Ruffles ninety eight minute curler to equalise, which sent us all wild in yeah, the away end. That's great. Uh, something like that again would be nice. Given their start to the season, our start to the season, how we finished the game yesterday, uh, I'm going to go back on the fence a little bit and go with a one-all draw. James, what do you think? Yeah, I think it either it's going to be tight, it's going to be a draw, or we're going to just about edge it. I don't think, I don't think we'll lose based on how their form has dipped slightly, given when they lost their kind of unbeaten record. So we're scoring, we, you know, we score more goals than them. Hopefully that, that goes in our favour. Connor? I'm kind of with you, to be honest, Ben. I think after after Saturday and bearing in mind Doncaster's start of the season, I'm, I'm kind of sitting with you, mate. I think, I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be a score draw. Um, do you know what? I'm just going to go with one all, mate. I think, I think I'm with you. Jack? Yeah, not going to add any more positivity, I'm afraid. I think, yeah, a a score draw, 1-1. Yeah, they're a tough side. They're um, managed by Darren Moore, aren't they? He's just a complete unit. So I think his side play a bit like he played. Um, So I'd probably take a point, to be honest. We've also got Portsmouth midweek in the whatever at Tim Pot surprise, Ben. Yeah, LDV Vans Trophy, yeah. releasing uh, full members cup. Uh, yeah, well, like I said we're not going to dwell on this. We've made our thoughts about this competition well known previously, but it is always a useful ninety minutes for a couple of players to, to get a run out. Certainly, I think Mark Sykes comes straight to mind, given he's very unlucky the situation he's been in, taking every opportunity he's had. So I'd expect him to get a good run out, and and similar sort of squad players who sat on the bench. Hall, uh, Long, those sort of players. It's just useful useful game time if only it was in a more important game. Yeah. Adji Hattrick, 7 0 win. Yeah. Adji's <laughs> all over it. He's going to do it. He's on it. Did Sykes not get but, called up for Northern Ireland this time around? No, he didn't. Wow. No. He's, uh, no, he didn't. But Going back to quickly, going back to what we said about Taylor coming on later in, later in the game against Accrington, I I wonder if he'll play against Pompey. Hmm. I would be really intrigued to see if Taylor plays against Pompey because personally I wouldn't play him, but the fact that he only got what thirteen minutes or whatever on on Saturday makes you wonder whether or not he's you know if he's chomping at the bit and wants to play. Football. I think that's the thing that got me with him not starting is that it wasn't like we had a midweek game between the Gillingham fixture yeah. and he scored in the Gillingham game, and I think if you're a striker. You want to keep that form going. So to have keep a whole going. week of recovery to the not then start the next game. And I, I know we can say, oh, that's a Mackie game because he pinches people's asses and he runs around like a headless chicken. <laughs> but I'd say, you know, I, I think we should hope for more than that, which is what I was kind of, I was a bit frustrated with it. But yeah. I still love Mackie. I just think if Taylor's fit and Mackie's fit, I know who I'd be picking. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, I agree. Right. Let's move on to our new feature. Well, kind of new. This is the second time we've done it, Jack. Yeah, so um, I've uh, found two very contrasting games in our history that took place on kind of the equivalent of this weekend in previous years. We'll start with the one that fills me with dread. Um so on this day in October 2007, uh, we managed to lose 3-1 away to Droylsden. <laughs> and it was um, it was screened live on Saturday tea time on Setanta. Um, and I've just read the uh, opening sentence of the BBC Match Report, and it says, In front of a crowd of 1,074, Droylsden ended their 11-game losing streak. Oh. The Bloods came out on top at the Butcher's Arms. I mean... I found a stat as well that we by this point in October that season we'd been on Satanta five times and we'd lost all five of them. Um, so Satanta really was just a cursed, um, cursed process. And after that game, yeah, we were seven points off the playoffs uh, in the conference. And I had a quick look at who played the starting eleven on that 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 fateful day. 
And uh, Billy Turley in goal, okay, good player. Luke Foster, good player. Chris Wilmot, good player. Then we had Arthur, I don't know how you say it, Arthur Gnor here, Gnore. Apparently he used to play for Burnley back in the day and he played a few games for us. Matt Day, Eddie Hutchinson, Phil Trainer, Barry Quinn, Alex Shinan, Demi Odebedi and Paul Shaw. Oh, now, I'm not sure many of them go down in Oxford United folklore. Um, Yemi Odebedi's a legend. Don't, well, yeah, he's, he did score that day, so he was good the only Yemi. one to come out of any credit. Yeah, but in uh, positive news, also on this day, but in 2015, we beat Swindon 2-0 in the, uh, oh, whatever it was called back then, Fun Fun Trophy. Um, Roof scored both, and it was the uh, first run out of the Robins on the Run banner in the East Stand that the Oxford Ultras put together. Um, that was brilliant. Yeah, it, it was a very good. Yeah, that was that good. Was good. Then, very good. Um, I remember Jake I Wright think... managed to get their um, captain sent off by um, kind of lying on the floor, essentially. I had uh, I had that uh, the picture of of the Robins on the Run flag as my uh, desktop background on my laptop for quite a few years to be honest with you so I, I appreciate that all the work that the ultras did for that um also james if there's ever a time to play the the uh celebratory cheer i think you you missed it really <laughs> wrong. You said oh, Oxford yeah two swindon nil when you missed it so i'm pretty disappointed in that mate yeah but better late than never like it sorry oh yeah <laughs> i think that was number five in the seven in a row uh period as well so there we are. Very good. Are we moving on to the last pick in PE eleven? In terms yeah, of what so, last week? Yeah. I mean this was uh, kind of an idea to create some discussion and uh I think it managed to do that. So uh it's now renamed, so last pick in PE, essentially those players that won't really go down in the history books for being memorable in the right way. Um, so we were looking for uh, a goalkeeper to begin with and the four options that went to the Twitter vote were uh, Neil Cutler, Ian McColden, Mike Salmon and Benji Bukel. Um, now, <laughs> the inclusion of Bukel uh, got a few, um, uh, what's the word I'd say, opinions uh, flying. I just had a quick look on Twitter and we had uh, Joe Citrone text text us. God, I'm making us bigger than we are. Uh, tweeted, <laughs> <laughs> texting text guys, text. Yeah, in. Um, tweeted and yeah. said, how is Bukel's name alongside a guy who played one game for us because he did seven goals? A bit dis- disrespectful. So, okay, fair enough. Now, it, was, it was my choice. Uh, I'll quickly interject the reason why. The reason why is because uh, I don't like him, so... <laughs> Tough. It was my choice. I I <laughs> do th- I do think that see oh, yes we got promoted, but I think Slocum and Bukel, who I think played twenty three league games each yeah, that did, season, did, yeah. were I thought both of them were poor, and I, we the rest of the yeah. team was obviously dynamite, and I think that's why I, I don't I think Slocum and Bukel weren't great, but yeah, they, there's there's worse yeah. keepers. Oh yeah, there's def- there's definitely worse goalkeepers. Connor and Connor Ripley yeah, was another one. Yeah, Slocum, yeah. Connor Ripley, and then a. Italian bloke we had on loan called Andrea Guatelli came up as well. So I think we've we've had we have had a few uh, a few goalkeepers that uh, we'd rather not have had. Um, it's good. It's, it's good though. It stimulated a bit of debate, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. And point. despite despite all the uh, protests against Bukele, he did actually get twenty nine percent of the vote. That probably <laughs> um, highlights the uh, the listener base um in terms of age but yeah so the first player into the last pick in p is mike salmon who got 41 percent of that vote um his his one game for Oxford united was a 7-1 defeat at home to birmingham and i think he did have direct influence on three or four of the goals um surprisingly he never played for us again well i'm mike um, yeah congrats yeah, yeah, so he's in to the hall of fame so uh the next one which hopefully won't upset people as much is uh a right back I think we've had a, a few suggestions. Um, David Hunt uh, was mentioned. Um, Jude Sterling. And then a random one from the early noughties, John Robertson, who uh, I just had a quick look for. Um, on Rage Online, on their stats page, it describes him as a Scottish defender who didn't defend particularly well. 
<laughs> he played he played 40 games and then got released and went back to Scotland. So he had quite a, a sustained run in the side, but not being very good. But I think, uh, James, you've got a, a shout you'd quite like to put forward. Well, Mr. Tian Dali, who I'm going to be absolutely shocked if he doesn't win this. I think the hunt suggestion is a little bit harsh but he wasn't exactly spectacular but he was a nice guy and so it feels harsh putting him in but he wasn't you know am i getting i'm getting digged out again for my choice i didn't i didn't say your <laughs> I name it. did i i, I didn't it. say your uh, name. it's fine I'll, I'll happily i'll happily take it to be honest with you when it comes to the left back i'm going with Tom <laughs> as well so those two together were an absolute joke but yeah we're, we're not i'm not going into this anymore I'll, i might upset some people <laughs> so. but no dave hunt is a very nice man so I'll put that out. There. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll stick. And that's what I'm putting out. <laughs> we'll stick those four on Twitter again, and uh, hopefully get some uh, slightly more positive feedback on the choices. I think I think we all know who's going to win that. Um, it's academic, yeah. really. So yeah, Definitely. that's right. like that. Quiz time. Right, quiz. Very similar to last week. I've just got 10 sort of quick fire questions for you. Um, same applies. If you want to answer the question, shout your name out. Uh, when you do, give me an answer. If it's wrong, next person shouts their name out, have a go, and we'll move on from there. I apologise if Ben doesn't get a look in edgeways because of his uh, his lag, but, you know, sort your internet out, mate. You know, BT clearly aren't doing it for you. Um, so, question one. In 1986, Oxford United lifted the Milk Cup after a 3-0 win against Queen's Park Rangers. Can you name me any of the goal scorers James, on that day? Ja- ben. James. Ray Howen. Correct. Very good. I need to write down the scores and just realise this. I'm all over the place. <laughs> right, question two. <laughs> Headington United became the first professional club in Britain to install floodlights. But which year was this? <laughs> ben. Ja- Oh, Ben. 1957. Oh, very close. Unlucky. Uh, next next guest. Jack. Jack. I was going to say 1959. Uh, I'm going to give the point to Ben because he was closest. I was going to say 1950. Uh, wow. <laughs> too slow, mate. Uh, question three. Oxford signed Mark Crichton from Kidderminster Harriers in 2009. But what was his nickname? Jack. James. Jack. Beast. It was. Can you say it how we said it, please? Beast. Much better. Uh, question four. Kamar Roof played 56 times for us, but how many goals did he score in that time? If you get within two goals, I'll give you the point. James. James. 33. Miles off. Ah. Oh. Jack. Last one there. Jack. 24. Spot on, great guess. What in his total, his yeah. total goals for Oxford? Yeah, twenty-four goals, yeah, including his loan spell as well. Oh, according to Wikipedia, that is anyway. Um, <laughs> question five: Jim Smith was the oxygen. Go on, go on, James. What are you saying? I d- he scored more than twenty. You're saying Kemar Roof's top like complete goals for Oxford United was twenty-four. That's what Wikipedia says. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't there? Wasn't there some stat this week that James Henry's now scored either more or the exactly same as Roof? Thirty-three. Oh, wow, if I've got it That's... wrong, I apologise, but you know, I'm just I'm just doing it like everyone else does, good off Wikipedia. Well <laughs> still a great guess from fine. still a great guess from uh, from Jack. Yeah. Right. It's Sorry, fine. He scored by the way, he scored twenty twenty six in one season. That's all I know. So he didn't he definitely scored more than twenty four. Anyway, move on. Anyway, move on. It's fine. right, question five. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really really screwed that up. Uh right. <laughs> Jim Smith was Oxford United manager between 1982 and 85. Uh, after a, a position at some other clubs, he returned to the U's as a full-time boss. But what season was this? Jack. Jack. 2005-6. Very close. James. James. 2004-5. No. Go on, Ben. <laughs> Go the other way. 2006-7. Correct. Uh, very good. 
Uh, right, so as I, as, as I mentioned in a previous appearance on the pod, one of my most memorable moments as an Oxford fan was the FA Cup away win, uh, replay win against Gateshead United when we won 1-0. Can you name me the extra time penalty goal scorer? Oh, no. <laughs> James Smalley. James Smalley, indeed. It's very tight. Uh, right, question seven. In 2007, uh, we were in the conference playoff semi-final against Exeter. Uh, they beat us on penalties. Can you name me one of the two players who missed Oxford James penalties? James again. Rob Duffy. Mm, incorrect. Jack. Oh. Jack. Billy Curley. Correct. Very good, Jack. Oh. Very good. Did Duffy miss the penalty in that game? No. It was no, just, he, um, it was, uh, he went through one-on-one one with the goalkeeper, dummied him, sat him on the floor, and then rolled the ball straight into his hands. Uh, <laughs> in like, in like the last minute of normal time or something. It, the, the other penalty was uh, Chris Zabrowski who missed it anyway question 8 in 2017 Pep Clotet uh, signed Ivan Palansky who was obviously another legend who we might actually bring up in another podcast uh, but which country did we sign him from James James, James. Sweden correct right following on with the uh, the Pep Clotet signings he also signed Gino Van Kessel on loan but which club did we sign him from Jack Jack Slavia Prague very good right last question so on the 7th of April 1982 we beat Swindon Town by the furthest margin to date what was the score James James 5-0 correct very good so on the (laughs) scores on the doors it was uh, James 4 Ben 2 Jack 4 and oh. to be brutally honest, it's quite funny. I haven't got a bonus question. Oh, no. <laughs> I've completely, I've completely fluffed it. Um, so <laughs> I can't even you think just... of something off the top of my head. Oh come on! You've got to just find a number associated with something, and whoever gets the closest wins. We'll just talk about something. Ben, how? What you have for dinner? Okay. <laughs> I had stir fry today. Stir, stir fry, good, just, good. Just, I like that the just, tense just, quiz mus- music can accompany this. <laughs> Jack, 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 did you have a lasagna oh, with garlic? No, juice? not this week. I, I realised as well. Someone told me that actually last week I made it sound like I had fish and chips and lasagna and garlic bread. <laughs> I just, I'd just like to clarify that I definitely did it. Right. My missus, right. I've got my missus said that to I've me. Got, she went, I, "What? He had fish and chips and lasagna." I was like, "No, he means they go to." Yeah, I'm glad that yeah. you said that. I've got, okay. I've got the bonus question. Right, it's a, it's going to be a first. Whoever gets their name to this, it's, it's a straightforward question. Right, who scored? Oxford United's James, final goal against Lincoln Taylor. City. James, correct. James, you win. <laughs> I remembered the yay this time. I just generally didn't think of having a bonus question. Uh, you guys do well on that. I'm impressed. Other than my obviously shambolic uh, Kimo Roof question. Yeah, but, you know, blame, blame, blame Wikipedia. League, just, you know, league goals. I threw it together. League goals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, flew, I, I threw it together so, very quickly. 2015-16 season, he played 48 games in all competitions, scored 26 goals. And yeah. then the season before, he got six. So it was 32 yeah. in total, according to this. So I think, actually, who, who said 33 first? I said 33. But it's because of what Jack got... said. There was an article with James Hen- where they said James Henry scored 33 goals in like 100 yeah. appearances, which is incredible, really. Yeah. Um, Anyway, you, you, you nicked it, James. Well done. I'll take that. Happy days. Uh, this so, is getting quicker nowadays. Yeah, we're only yeah. just over an hour. Maybe if we Get didn't have those. that, you know, tiebreaker. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then I had to, you know, go over what we all have for dinner again, which was <laughs> top class entertainment from the Took Manor podcast. Yeah. Maybe that's going to mean no one will hear the finale, but who knows. Right. As always, thanks everyone for listening. Next pod, we will be talking about the Doncaster game and previewing Rotherham, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. See you later. Cheers, guys.
Galera, vamos pro homem!